wonderful to be able to come together as the body of Christ, the family of God, to worship, to encourage one another, to fellowship together. Oh, I'm so glad to be home, so glad to be back with my church family. How about, well, we still got 10 seconds. Uh, let's go ahead and stand. We're, we're early. It may not happen again, right? Don't count on it. Let's stand together and sing, Praise the Name of Jesus. time. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. In him will I trust. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Are we here to praise the name of Jesus? Go ahead, be seated, please. Our theme this morning is, wait for it, the name of Jesus. That's why I started with that song. All right. Jasper, come up here, brother. Name above in every name. Amen. Okay, for a quick announcement, quilting ministry this coming Tuesday, August 15 at 9 a.m., and this coming Saturday, Men's Prayer Breakfast, August 19 at 8.30 a.m. And also WMU, 25th anniversary, August 18 and 19 at 8.30 a.m. And to those, uh, our guests, if this is your first time, we encourage you to fill out our guest registration card. And we pray that you will encounter God in a special way today as we worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Shall we pray? Lord, we praise and thank you for who you are and what you've done for us, Lord, especially for giving your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross on our behalf as a manifestation of your great love to us. And we pray that you will give us the wisdom and the power, Lord, to carry out your will, your plan. And we pray that we will manifest and share the love that we have experienced from you. And may our words, actions, and mind become a channel of your love to others. And we commit to you our service this morning. And bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've been asking you to bring school supplies in. Last week we asked you to write down what you have. Now we need you to bring them in. Um, if you haven't been able to pick anything up and you just want to donate some money, we would appreciate that. We have a lot to purchase and to get ready for. So if you could start bringing it in. There's two ugly brown boxes back there that you can put your stuff in and uh, we really appreciate all you do all right you know our theme is the name of jesus today does anybody have a, a favorite scripture about the name of jesus i know i didn't ask you ahead of time and just in case you didn't i got a couple here's one of my favorites there is no name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved but the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And you remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus also said, cast all your burdens upon me because I care for you. My burden is light. My yoke is easy, right? He is here to meet our needs, to forgive our sins, to strengthen us and encourage us. And through faith in Christ and his death and resurrection, we can be part of the family of God and have eternal life. Amen? All right. So thinking about how much we depend upon the name of Jesus, let's sing together, I must tell Jesus all my troubles. Amen? Tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, He kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for His own. 
I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Amen. Tempted and tried, I need a great Savior, one who can help my burdens to bear. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, He all my cares and sorrows will share. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Oh, how the world to evil allures me. Oh, how my heart is tempted to sin. I must tell Jesus, and he will help me. Oh, the world of victory to win. Amen. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Amen. How many of you know that song? Yeah, that's what I thought quite a few. You were singing it like you knew it. What a, what a good promise, right? <clears throat> All right. Now here's, here's a song that, that uh, those of us who are beginning to get a little gray around the temple area, not this temple, but I mean, you know, the... <laughs> never mind. A little bit older song, but you know what? There's something about the name of Jesus. There's something about that name. Let's sing. to sing a song for your encouragement this morning, and it's He Keeps Me Singing. So if you don't feel like singing, remember the song. There's within my heart a melody Jesus whispers sweet and low Fear not, I am with thee Peace, be still In all of life's ebb and flow Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Sweetest name I know Fills my every longing Keeps me singing as I go was wrecked by sin and strife, discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings, 
stir the slumbering chords again. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go, feasting on the riches of His grace, resting neath His sheltering wing, always looking on His smiling face, that is why I shout and sing. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Soon he's coming back to welcome me, far beyond the starry sky. I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown, I shall reign with Him on high. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Amen. Good morning, Tucson Mountain. How we doing this morning? Yeah. Are we with it? Oh my goodness. <clears throat> Have you guys seen those shows on TV? Extreme Makeover? They take this house and they put it out there and it's run down and it's falling apart and they have the before picture and then they have the after picture. And the after picture looks nothing like the before picture. And you're sitting there going, that's not the same house. And they say, we only did this for $20,000. Yeah, I, I can't buy it. I struggle with that. You know, they have the before picture and the after picture. And that's what we're going to sort of do today. We're going to look at God's magnificent makeover in our lives. And he does that in a lot of different ways. <coughs> for free. Yeah, I heard that. God's makeover for us is a whole lot better. And it's much, much easier for us to go through that makeover. Because all we have to do is say yes. Yes to Jesus, just what we were singing about. It's interesting to me. He takes us from death to life. And he moves us in such a way that we become much better. Ephesians 2, that very first verse, the whole, the whole thing in Ephesians 2, the chapter 2, explains to us and shows us really the facts and facets, if you would, of our faith and how it all works together and how it works together in such a way that it, it molds us and shapes us into the type of Christian that Christ wants us to be. So as we look at these things this morning, I just want you to keep an open mind about these things. And we're going we're gonna to bounce between two or three things, so stick with me if you would. Ephesians 2.1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. That's life without Christ. We're dead. And here's the interesting part. If we're dead, think about this for a second. Most of the world thinks and acts in the physical realm. Here's the problem. You take a busy small business owner, a busy executive, and what he does is you go along and you talk to him, and he's, he's just the most outstanding man around. He takes care of his family. He works 70 hours a week. He's able to come home and play with his kids each evening, though, and he's able to take his wife out on a date night once a week. Woohoo! And he spends weekends with his family. But he does all these things, and you walk up to him and you say, you know, God's word says you're dead without Christ. He's going to say, you are absolutely out of your mind. You are nuts. I got a life. Can't you see? But he's only looking at the physical realm. Paul is talking about the spiritual realm here. And we know that. We understand that. But it's important. He's Paul is talking about the part that relates directly to God. And we need to understand that. 
When we look at people, is it always easy to tell and distinguish a Christian from a non-Christian? Mm, I don't think so. I think in a lot of cases we struggle. Because in the realm that we're looking at, and they're looking at the physical realm, and we're looking at the outside physical realm, it's basically only black and white. There's no technicolor. There's no living color because God gives us a living color to be able to see as we're supposed to see. If we could see people's spirits the same way God sees people's spirits in that living technicolor, then we'd be able to identify each other very, very easily. Now, we're supposed to be known by our fruits, but a lot of times we hide those fruits. <clears throat> we hide those things. Paul's going to tell us the why, very simply. He tells us the why in, chapter, in verse 1 trespasses and sins. Now let's think about this for a second. A transgression, some of your uh, translations will say, or a trespass is something entirely different. That is basically you've wandered off the path. Maybe you've been walking the path, you've been doing everything you should be doing according to God's word, but you sort of wander away. A lot of terminology we use today is they're backsliders. But here's the problem. They really haven't slid backwards. They just wandered off on their own and got in trouble. And that is a misstep. And unfortunately, that misstep separates us from God. And then you have sin. Sins itself. You know, sin, and we've used this illustration before, sin is, is you don't hit the mark. It's literally missing the mark. It's like it's like the archer that's taking the bow and arrow and they're aiming at the target. But rather than hitting anywhere on the target, they're off in left field somewhere. But here's the problem. Both of those separate us from God. And he says, that can't happen. He said, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to stay on the path and you have to continually be able to hit the mark. And that's, that's a tough thing to do. Maybe you've wandered off the path in life. You went to the wrong place with the wrong people and you found yourself going the wrong way. Maybe you have intentionally done some things. You got rebellious and you said, I'm just not gonna. I don't want to. Those things will hurt us and separate us from God. Because of those transgressions, those unbelievers out there, they are spiritually dead. Because sin separates us from the love of God. God is the only one, as we sang a moment ago, Jesus and God are the only ones that can give us spiritual life. Sin is saying, I'm depending on self. It's like that old song, I did it my way. Yeah, well, your way isn't necessarily the right way. God says, I've got another way. Faith is saying, I'm depending on God to do what he says he's going to do, and my hope and my salvation and my life is in him. Sin puts a barrier between you and God. We have to have that continuous connection to God, to have and to maintain that relationship to have and maintain a spiritual life. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2 says this. Let's read the whole passage. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live. So who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians. When you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, Listen, sin is destructive. Sin is disastrous, especially to the relationship of with God. But he says there's three reasons for sin, why we sin. The very first one is the world, and we're going to call that sin, sin itself. And what do I mean by that? Let's think about this. The world system, the culture, the philosophies of this world cause us and help us to sin, just the way it's designed. Think about this. You can, you can be going along your merry way and something will take place and it'll catch your eye or draw you away or tempt you 
just like we were talking about here a moment ago, and you're caught up in sin. Sin holds a place of power over people's lives that is devastating. Here's the problem. The idea that most of us live in this physical world, things have to be tangible in order for us to believe it. It's got to, in, in order for it to, we have to see it to believe it. It has to be tangible. It has to be real, functional, if you would. I need to be able to prove it scientifically. How much have we heard that? But there are some things like God and faith that you can't prove scientifically. Now, we're seeing some evidence of things that the archaeologists are finding in the, in the hills and the mountains and the digs and things of a lot of the biblical stories that are true. But we can't scientifically prove God and faith. Think about this for a second. Why did we dress the way we dressed in the 70s and 80s? Because everybody else was dressing that way, and then we, we thought it looked cool, right? Here's the problem. There's great power in what others think. There's great power in what others do. That's why as a Christian, oftentimes you may feel like you're like that salmon swimming upstream, it's like you're going through life and you're going up a down elevator. And the minute you stop walking in faith, that elevator starts bringing you back down again. That's the life of a Christian if we're not careful. That's why we have to continuously walk in faith. He tells us that over and over again. We don't want to be on that, raw, on that up elevator and going down. That's the wrong direction. This world is going the wrong way. We know that. We understand that as Christians. But how do we take that message to the rest of the world and draw them in to understand that there is a better way, there is an easier way, a better life that is less stressful because you have somebody else going through it with you? Listen, the world, the world and that its sin is not the only problem. The second thing is the devil, Satan. Satan. So you have sin and you have Satan. Now, the Bible says he is the ruler of the kingdom of the air. We just read it. God has given Satan a certain amount of time with limited powers to tempt us, tease us, and take us off track. Now, Satan may influence us for a little while. But that becomes problematic if we pay attention to it for too long. In Revelation, remember, he was the very first one to be thrown into the pit of hell. And he's trying to take as many souls with him as he can. Because he just loves company. In fact, he is the reason that evil is even in the world to begin with. He brought evil into the world when he tempted Eve. And we don't know it was an apple, so don't go out of here and say, I said that. He brought evil sin into this world. Paul says in verse 2, if you read it very carefully, that he is the spirit at work in those who are disobedient. So when you find someone that's belligerent, hard-headed, hard-hearted, and just mean, remember, it's not all them. Somebody else is at work in them. Listen, you're either going to follow the father of lies or you're going to follow the father of light. It's your choice. John 8, 44 says this, you belong to your father. Now he's talking to unbelievers, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Listen, that is Satan's favorite tool. He loves deceit. He loves lies. He'll come and tempt you and say, and you know what? This is what you really need. This is what you really want. And you can have it if you just go get it. That's a problem. Because that 
most 99 tenths of the time is a lie. We don't always want it. We don't always need it. And it's definitely not going to help us in a lot of ways. Here's the problem. We try to go get it, and all the things it promised it was going to bring us is just the opposite. It brings us, rather than bringing us pleasure, it brings us pain. Rather than bringing us fulfillment, it brings us falsely, falsification. It just makes us die even further in our spirit. Listen, that's why it's so important to read God's word. God's read shines light on Satan's lies and helps us see them for what they really are. But we have to put that into practice. God will always tell us the truth. The third thing is our own sinful nature. We're just going to call that self. So we have sin, we have Satan, and we have self. Those are the three things that we combat all the time. Ignore this Light up here, it's just lightning to distract us. That's another one of Satan's ploys. You know, just ignore it. Listen, I would always like to blame my sin on somebody else. I'd love to be like Flip Wilson and say, the devil made me do it. But the devil don't always make me do it. A lot of it comes from inside. Here's the problem. That temptation to sin doesn't always come from the world or Satan. We were born that way. Verse 3 says this, All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. There are three ways this sinful nature works on us, and we have to remember this. The very first one is cravings. Cravings, and then you have desires, and you have thoughts. Cravings, desires, and thoughts. It's incredible how a simple idea planted in our mind can take us off task. I was listening to a sermon a while back, and the preacher was using the illustration of chocolate chip cookies. And he was talking about these delicious, tasty chocolate chip cookies. And he said they were just melt in your mouth, and they were so soft and chocolatey and ooey, and gooey, and sweet. I had to go home and find some chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> See, that's the problem. That idea was planted in my mind, and I wanted and needed those cookies. That's the way our sin is within us. It tempts us from the inside out. Cravings have to do with that physical nature that we're given. God gives us a physical nature. We crave certain foods because, number one, we have an appetite, and number two, we need to eat. But here's the problem. We also have a sexual nature. We crave and desire and need sex because of the fact that's the way God hardwired us. But here's the problem. Satan takes those things that God gave us that he meant for good, those physical things, those physical desires, and he twists those and he perverts those and distorts those to the point where there's sin. Think about this for a second. Satan can't create anything. God creates everything. But here's what takes place. Because he can't create anything, he'll take anything and everything he can and he'll twist it and pervert it into something that it's not. He takes sex, and, which is created for marriage, which is created to populate the earth, which is created and brings great joy and intimacy and pleasure in our lives. But he takes that and he twists it into a warped, abusive situation in many, many people's lives. He takes something as simple as food, which we need for nourishment, which we have to have to survive. And he takes that and he twists it and turns it into the habit of gluttony or of an overindulgence and it makes us have all kinds of health problems and other issues. He takes these things in our lives. He can't create, so he takes the things that God has created and he ruins them and brings them to a point where they're unhealthy for us when God's intention was for them to be healthy for us. He does that in our lives all the time. 
He does it many times through his own physical cra cravings. He wants us to think, I really want it. I really need it. I'm going to get it. Listen, God will meet your physical needs if you simply follow his plan. Sometimes we don't like to do that. We get impatient. We want to run ahead of God. Have you ever figured your way into sin? Think about this for a second. You know, some sins we intellectualize, meaning that we rationalize those things. When we rationalize sin, we are rationalized lies. We are rationalizing lies. That's the problem. Why would we want to rationalize lies? But we do that all the time. You run things through your mind. You figure out a way to get what you want. And unfortunately, it's not really what you want or need. You take those thoughts and you compare them to the Word of God. And God is going to say, I have a completely different direction for your life. I have a completely different way for you to meet those needs, wants, and desires. Our desires are much more emotional. Much more emotional. We unfortunately feel our way into some sins. I did it because I felt like it. I did it because I wanted to. We try to rationalize and emotionalize what we desire and what we want. It's because of sin that God says we are objects of his wrath. Our future was to be without God. If that was the end of the story, that would be pretty depressing. But thank God it is not. He has given us a second chance. We, he is a God of second chance and third chance and fourth chance. Praise God for that. The words that he uses here, sin and trespass, that are meant to destroy us, are met head on by some other words, two specific words, that eliminate that sin and trespass. Listen, before Christ came on the scene, every single one of us was dead in our transgression and sin. But here's the thing. We don't just need a resuscitation. You can do all the CPR you want on a dead person, and they're not coming back. If they're dead, they're dead. We need a resurrection. And God, through Jesus Christ, has provided that. He said, I've got this covered. We go from being disobedient, depraved, dead, and doomed to being alive in Christ. He tells us that. Two words that changed us. And as we go through this magnificent makeover of God, he says, this is it. He says, you know what? You were alive and you were risen. By nature, you were objects of wrath, even as the rest. But God... Two words, but God. He decided to do something completely different in our lives to draw us to himself and to give us new life, just like he gave Christ. Verses four through six, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. What a difference God's work makes in our lives. Those two words, but God. What motivated God to do that? What motivated God to want to take me from death, hell, and the grave to life, heaven, and eternal places? Scripture says it was God's love, it was God's mercy, and it was God's grace. Do you remember the difference between mercy and grace? Mercy means withholding of deserved punishment. And grace means giving us undeserved blessing. So God comes along and he says, you know what? Here's, here's the bottom line. The wages of sin are, is death, it says in Romans. 
There is a punishment that needs to be paid, but you don't have to pay it if you'll turn to my son Jesus. God says, I'm going to withhold that punishment because of my mercy. I'm going to withhold that punishment because of my love for you. And on top of that, I'm going to give you some grace just because I love you some more. That's why we sing praises to him. That's why we love him. That's why we care for him. And it's not just about what he did for us, but it's because of who he is. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Listen, after Jesus died, he was resurrected. Scripture goes on and says, Even when you were dead in your transgression, it is by grace you have been saved. God has raised us up with Christ. Listen, Jesus was raised, resurrected to a brand new life. So are you. So are we. Here's the best part, though. Another great part. We are seated with him in the heavenly realms. Can you imagine that? Let your mind wrap around that for a second. We're seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Listen, I've told you before, we're just passing through this place. This is just our temporary spot. As Christians, we are out of here. Listen, I want you to picture yourself in the same way God pictures you. He loves you. He shows you grace. He shows you mercy. He cares for you. Some of you are sitting there going, how do I do that? Very simply, the very first thing is you have to realize and recognize you're alive. You're alive in Christ. You're a new person. He made us alive. You know, in the Greek, it's just represented by one word. The word is enlighten. And enlighten means invigorate. He energizes. He moves us. He motivates us. Some of us need that. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Listen, put off your old self, put on your new self, and let's get on with it. Because that's what God is asking us to do. Listen, some of you are here this morning and you may not feel very new. You may feel tired. You may feel weary. You may feel worn. But God says you are a new creation in Christ. You have been born again. Because of what Christ has done on the cross for us. And we're not only alive in him, we're raised up with him. Picture the resurrection. Picture this thought for a second. The resurrection at the beginning of the book of Acts. The disciples are standing around. They're talking to Jesus. He's, been, he's come out of the grave, and he's getting ready to ascend. And he, he, they're looking up, and he, he just sort of floats up, and he's... They're looking around in awe, and all of a sudden, the angels come down. They're going, what are you guys looking up in heaven for? Go to work. He said, there's people out there that need you. You need to show them and tell them what Jesus is all about. You need to move in their lives as Jesus moved in your life. He said, get going. Look at the people. Look around and find the people you can witness to, and look at the people you can, you can uh, minister to. And get going. He'll come back the same way he left. But for right now, you guys need to get with it. He tells us the same stuff. Christ has included us in his kingdom. We should never forget that. The throne of God is a seat of all power. And we're seated at the throne of God with Jesus. We've gone from the graveyard to the throne room. That's amazing to me. Paul exemplified this life. Think about this. This, you know, he realized his old life wasn't 
as nearly as important as his new life when he came to know Jesus. His perspective totally changed. I want to encourage you this morning, if your perspective has not totally changed since you come to know Christ, maybe you need a checkup from the neck up. And then you need to get a heart checkup. Because if your heart's not right, then maybe your perspective's not right. Why did God do this? He tells us in 2.7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He did it so that he could show all eternity who he was and he could shower on him all those incomparable riches. But he also did it so that we would show those incomparable riches that we have to others. Listen, we've had several ages since the Bible. You realize before Noah... All that stuff that happened before Noah was one age. All the stuff that happened, you know, people lived a little longer back then. All the stuff that happened after Noah is another age. But I'm looking forward to the age that's going to take place in heaven. Can you imagine what God has in store for us? I know he's got another age planned that he's going to keep us going and growing. But I have not. He's only given us a glimpse in Revelation and some of Daniel of what's going to take place. He's going to have a new Jerusalem and a new life for each one of us. I'm, I want to know what that looks like. Heaven, I think, is going to be a place filled with purpose and promise for all eternity. I've got something to look forward to. I hope you do too. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. Listen, A, it's not by my works. It's not by my works. It's not by your works. John Calvin said, It's faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. God is with us. Emmanuel right? Are you guys with me this morning? Okay. You can never come to God by doing anything good. Never. When we look around, we love to compare ourselves to others. We love to compare ourselves to ourselves. And when we compare ourselves to others, we think, well, I am better than, and I have a much better chance to get to heaven than the other guy or gal. But you know what? The last time I checked, God doesn't grade on a curve. Our sin, regardless of what it is, separates us from the love of God. Period. In your mind, it could only be a small sin. But if it's a sin, guess what? It's still sin. None of us could ever be good enough. You'd have to be absolutely perfect. And listen, we've watched each other for, for two and a half years now. We're not. I don't understand how God, you know, I, I have people come to me sometime and they say, I don't understand how God can, can condemn a good person to hell. And I have to explain to them, you don't understand. He didn't condemn anyone to hell. We were already hell-bent on going there to begin with. And the problem is, for us, he sent us the solution. He sent us the solution in his son, Jesus Christ, to take care of that problem. Sometimes you'll listen, sometimes you won't. Listen, there's no amount of good things that you or I can do to gain God's grace, to gain God's love, to gain God's wisdom. The only way we're going to get to heaven is by accepting his son, Jesus. If it was by works, we'd have some people that come along and say, well, my works are better than that pastor's works. I know I'm going, I don't know about him. Listen, we're all on the same level. That's the bottom line. 
If it would be, if it was about works, think about this. It was about works and somebody came along and they said, they come in and they, Pastor Lynn, I want to pay off all your debt. How much do you need? And I said, I need $100,000. And they put a $100,000 check in my hand. And I take that $100,000 check and I go down and I'm going to pay off all my debt. And I say, man, oh man, you will not believe what happened. Somebody came to me and offered me this $100,000 check and you would not believe what, with what grace and finesse I put out my hand and took that money. It's ridiculous, right? But that's how some people treat God's grace. That's how some people treat God's love. They think it's about them. And it's not about them. It's about him. Audience of one. Listen, God's grace is the cause of our works. He talks about this. I am his workmanship. I am his workmanship. He is not mine. The works that we do are an after effect, if you would, of his grace and his love and mercy in our life to start with. We can't work our way into heaven. But I'm also a work, I am his workmanship. Verse 10 says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to, good, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Listen, you are God's masterpiece. You are his ultimate work of art. You are his most valuable creation. God loves you. He loves every single human being he made, but he knows some of them are not going to come to him. You think about the crafts or the projects that you do. You want to do it and you want to craft it just right. You want it to be just so. You want it to be perfect. That's the way he treats us. He wants us to be perfect. He crafts us and molds us and shapes us and mends us in such a way that we're the perfect person he wants for him. When we think about God's craftsmanship, we need to remember it gives us a way to renew our minds so that we can continually do those good works that he wants us to do. We need to wake up each morning and say, you know what, I was made by God and I was made by God to do his good works. That's the right attitude. That's the right thing to think about. That enables us to do those good works day to day. Also, my doing good works. My doing good works. What does that mean? God wants us to keep the Ten Commandments. He wants us to keep the Great Commission and all the other Great Commandments. He wants us to follow Him, not the world, not sin, self, or Satan. There's two truths as we close. Two truths we need to understand. The first one is God's good works are always prepared. Prepared. What does that mean? Those works are not our ideas. God prepares those things in advance for us, and he'll put us in the right place at the right time to do the right thing. But sometimes we say no. We say, I don't want to, or we wander off the path. We have to be careful. We need to start every day by asking God, God, what have you prepared for me to do today? And then do it. We need to, you need to pray to him to help us stay on the right path. And then secondly, God's good works are always pre-planned. Pre-planned. It says in advance for us to do. He prepares those things in advance for us to do because there's always a whole bunch of other things we could do. But listen, I don't want to, worry, I don't want to miss out on the excitement and, and the exuberance and what he has planned for me to do by doing something I think I should do rather than what he wants me to do. And sometimes it's, it's tough to evaluate that, I understand. 
But if we slow down and we ask God, he'll give us the answers. I always want to have the joy of the Lord in my heart. And I want you to have that too for yourselves. But we have to live with a sense of expectation and anticipation that God will answer that prayer when we ask him to help keep us on the right path and to help keep us from missing the mark. I was dead without God. But God came along and offered salvation to each and every one of us. But God. But God offered us the life-changing experience that is placed before so many people each and every day in houses of worship just like this. But how many people accept? How many people are able to take that? Listen, I don't know how I can ever praise God enough for the gift that he's given me. I hope you feel the same way. He has moved us from eternal life to eternal, from, to, to eternal life from death. I hope you can visualize in your life as we close today the life, death, and burial and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ and that we are with him because of the gift of life and the gift of salvation that Christ has given us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we just, we just lift you up, Lord. You are our everything. As Christians, we want to walk with you. We want to talk with you. We want to maintain that relationship. And Father, we want to draw closer to you each and every day. Help us do that. Father, the, the, we're weak, but you are strong. And we know that you will help us do that if we ask and encourage you to help us with that. Now, Father, if there's those here today that don't understand what it means to be a Christian, or maybe they do understand, but they've never made that commitment, we ask that you work in their lives today and draw them closer to you. Maybe there's those that have been watching online. I understand that there's more and more people watching online They can ask Christ to come into their heart right where they're at. They can ask Jesus to be the Lord of their life, but they have to surrender that life. We have to take off the old and put on the new. Father, there's those that are here this morning and maybe they've made that decision, but they've never made it public and they've never been baptized as you were baptized as Jesus was baptized through complete immersion. We ask that you'd work in their hearts and minds today and draw them closer to that. And Father, if there's those that have been coming for a while and, and they're looking for a church home and they've come to the conclusion that this might be the place or this is the place that they can serve and minister to you and have a church family and be a part of this church family. All they have to do, Lord, is come forward this morning. Any of these three situations, we ask that they come forward and share that with us so that they can know and you can know that they are a child of God and that they have your blessing and your life to be a new born person. Father, we love you and we praise you. And we just ask these things in Jesus' most precious name this morning. Amen. Can and would stand, please. Jesus, Jesus, lover, 
announcements. Please do remember that the WMU meeting uh, coming up is in Green Valley. It is not here, ladies. And it is for ladies. WM, w stands for women. Um, we had a little confusion about that, but it is at Green Valley. And if you need further information on that, you can contact Justine and or the church office. Um, a meeting on the 27th immediately following this worship service. It's a state of the church address. We're going to talk about some things that have been happening over the last two and a half years, some things that have happened most recently, and some things that we need to address coming up very, very soon. And also, uh, deacons meeting tomorrow night, gentlemen, um, pastor's office. And we need to make a request. Ladies, we need some drivers for ladies. We have some women that are needing transportation back and forth for medical appointments and some other things. And, you know, a lot of the guys are, are, are starting to cover this with each other, but we need some ladies that are willing to transport people back and forth to doctors and go to doctor's appointments with them. And you have to stay, okay? You can't drop them off and, you know, take off. And <laughs> so be praying about that, and if you can help with that, please contact the office and let them know. And we'll set up a roster and we'll try to get some ladies to help do that, okay? If you're able to do that, it'd be greatly appreciated. All right. Love the music this morning. You know, you guys need to praise God for these musicians and these instrumentalists uh, and these, these singers. They do a great job. All right, let's sing together. Lord, I lift your name on high. Bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a good week. Some glad morning when this life is over.